this is Liren Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today's interview is a little different. We're going to peel the curtain on the world of food blogging and chat with Christine Pittman of the site Cook the Story. Launched in 2010, Christine started her blog as a hobby when her family relocated from Canada to Orlando, Florida, combining her education in linguistics with her love for developing recipes. Many years later, Cook the Story boasts over 2 million monthly readers, making it one of the top-ranked food blogs in the world. Now, Christine manages Cook the Story in addition to another site, The Cookful, and is also busy as host of two podcasts, Time Management Insider and Recipe of the Day. I am so excited to welcome Christine to the podcast. Hey, Christine. Hey, Lauren. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I always start by asking, what's the first thing you ever cooked and about how old were you? The first thing that I have a really vivid memory of cooking was I made like just basic ramen. Like we used to call it Simon soup by family. I don't know why, but it was that cellophane package. But what I did was I made it by myself while my family was outside doing yard work and I added some ham and some peas and then I wrote up a little menu and I taped it to the door so that when they came in, (laughs) ramen noodle menu. So I'm sure I probably, if I knew how to do that by myself, I probably had made other things first, but that's like the real standout memory of making food for others, you know? I love it. And hey, you were ready for college already. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. When I was in college, I used to make the same soup in my coffee pot all the time. I'd water the soup in the bottom and and that would work. Yeah. Yeah, Do you remember the hot pots that we would all, you know, cook out of? No one seems to, well, my my daughter's in college now and I was like, don't you want a hot pot? That's what I called it, but she's like, no. Yeah, no, I just had a coffee pot and I I made all kinds of things in there. That would be a great blog idea. (laughs) Yes, yes. Have you actually, that reminds me, this is a total aside, but have you seen the videos where there's a person who she'll cook, or is it a she or he? I can't remember. They will cook out of what they can find in a hotel room. So whether it was the coffee pot or the iron, or I don't even remember what else. Yeah, no, I have not seen that. That sounds amazing. Though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's for when you have free time. Um, would you tell everyone a bit about yourself and what life looked like before you moved to the U.S. and started your blog? Yeah, so now I live in Orlando, Florida with two kids. I'm divorced, so I have them every second week, which means that I work really hard the week they're not here and then I'm like single parent mom the other week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's now. When we first moved here, I was actually doing a PhD in linguistics at the University of Toronto. And I just had my first child. And my ex-husband, who was not my ex then, had just gotten a really cool job offer in Orlando. And I was on this like mat leave year. And we're just like, we'll go for it. And we came here. I ended up not finishing my uh, PhD dissertation. You know, you get so far away from something sometimes, mm-hmm. motherhood and distance and everything. So I wasn't working on that. And I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. And what actually happened was I was listening to The Splendid Table, who, uh, you know, wonderful show. Yeah. Love that show. Yeah. And she had on a blogger, a food blogger. And I don't know who it was, but whoever it was, I was like, oh, I I would love to try food writing. That would be perfect. And so I started doing sort of restaurant reviews and doing like reporting on like the food that I was cooking in my home for my family and really just trying to practice writing about food, developing recipes, and sort of sharing that with my family so that we could connect. They're back in Canada and I'm in, in the States and we could sort of connect over food and what we're making or, you know, talk about all the ingredients I was finding. So it was really about that. And that's how it started. 
Oh, wow. I feel like I'm listening to like a parallel life. Um, <laughs> I joke around that I was a PhD dropout because I also kind of stopped at the master's level and um, never really looked back. <laughs> but I do feel like the lessons that you learn from that, you know, being in a, a really rigorous program like that really can help you for entrepreneurship. So I'm guessing that you probably use a lot of those life skills. Oh, yeah. I think that's so I haven't actually really thought of it that way. But that like, you have to be self motivated, you know, mm -hmm. you have an advisor, you know, and, and they're like, you should do this. But if you you just go home and watch, you know, <laughs> all day, nobody's really, you know, doing anything. And so it's that kind of like when you if people who go to college for the first time and realize that no, nobody's telling them to hand in their homework, nobody cares if they miss class. It's like mm -hmm. that on steroids, right? Like Correct. You have all this work to do and nobody is saying anything and you have to do that. I was also teaching a lot. So I had like a really tough teaching schedule, grading, students wanting to meet with me and trying to do my own work. And so, yeah, and some, like when I think about it, I actually think this is a little bit easier. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do think that we're probably juggling maybe a little bit more, especially as <clears throat> you start to diversify. Uh -huh. But I do think I get a lot more sleep these days <laughs> yeah. than back then. And the passion is so much there. I mean, I, I was studying linguistics and I was working on a language called Inuktitut, which is spoken by Inuit people way up north. Mm -hmm. And I loved it, but I, I just couldn't, I, I can't even imagine spending the hours that I spend now feeling as happy doing the work. It already was feeling a little chore-like sometimes. And so little of what I do feels like a chore now. You know, I get up, I get up on the weekend when nobody's here. And the first thing I do is come to my computer. I'm looking at stats. I'm getting recipe ideas. Like that's what I do on my day off. And I don't resent it. I love it, you know? Right. And that's what I always tell people when they tell me that they are thinking of starting a blog. <clears throat> I always tell them, just remember, you need to love it. Because if you don't, you're not going to last a long time because otherwise, I mean, the, the way to succeed, I really think, is to just sort of immerse yourself in it and it becomes your life as good and as bad as that sounds. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I tell people, it's actually, I don't want to discourage people, but I've had so many friends and family over the years say, ooh, I want to do what you do. I want to start a blog or now a podcast or whatever it is. And I'm super excited with them. But they're looking at me now after, oh gosh, it's it's how many years now? 12, 12, 13 years of doing this. Now I'm super successful. But there were five years in there that I was just doing it because I liked it. And if you, you sort of look at, you know, YouTube stars or you just every now and then somebody has some crazy TikTok account that goes viral instantly. Right. But most people who have those subscribers and that list did it for a good couple of years before they got there. So if you don't have that internal motivation and love to keep you going when nobody's paying attention and nobody cares what you do, if you don't have that, then you're not going to be able to continue. Yeah. I think a lot of people mistakenly enter this space thinking, oh, in five months, I'll be making a full-time income yeah. and I'll be just fine. I could support my family. And that's really not how it is at all. No, so, I mean, so much, so many of the metrics that lead to success come from people finding you and finding you again. And, and until you have that bit of reputation and, and people recognizing you, it just takes a long time. That's mm -hmm. all. Yeah. Well, let's back it up. Why cook the story? Why did you select that name? 
Oh my. So the, I mean, I think it's a little bit embarrassing at this point. I thought I was an amazing writer. I really did. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that I would have this, like, it was going to be the story behind the food, which is, you know, a lot, a lot of food blocks back then, you know, you, you mm-hmm. go for a walk with your son, you discover a lemon tree, and then you write a story about the lemon tree and the nice lady who gave you lemons. And then you post a lemonade recipe, right? Like right. This, this is what, what it was. So it was sort of that kind of thing, like the inspiration behind, but I really really thought that I had creative writing chops and I didn't and I don't. It turns out, so Cook the Story was that kind of like, I'm going to be literary about this. And after a while, I started realizing that I, I don't, I don't want to be too hard on myself, but like, it just wasn't, it wasn't flowing. It wasn't working. It, it What ended up working more was when I really got into how to do things, why you do things a certain way. Like, why do you cook a dish like this? Why would you, you know, why do you fluff rice with a fork when it's ready instead of using a spoon? Like all of those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. That is what I'm better at writing at, like more like a transactional kind of language. So the name came from my my literary aspirations. (laughs) It's just stuck there. (laughs) Well, I totally identify with your literary aspirations. I feel like I did the same thing and I wanted to just share those stories. I still do. I think I'm one of those holdouts who really has a hard time stripping away the story from a blog post mm-hmm. um, because, just because I refuse to let it go. But blogging has changed so much from when you and I started. And, and what do you think it takes to stand out in the blogging landscape today? Oh, wow. I mean, I, 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 I say people ask me quite often what they should be doing. And I think what it takes is to recognize maybe two or three of your strengths and really focus on them. I think that a lot of people get into this and they want to be on everything and doing everything. So they're developing recipes. They're learning how to take pictures. They're making videos. They're on all the social media. They've got YouTube. And I think what ends up happening is you don't end up great at anything Mm -hmm. and kind of mediocre. And I think you need to stand out in one place. Um, for, for me, it's that exactly what I was talking about, the explanations, these very long like how-to posts about basics, like how to make gravy that people need and turn to. Um, that's what I'm great at. The social media stuff, I've never been good at it. It's never ended up driving traffic. I've just actually hired a full-time social media person, so we're fingers crossed that that's Oh, really that's changed. so exciting. <laughs> but, but up until now, you know... I, I would I would do all those things. I, I, you probably remember there were all these Facebook groups. They're probably mm-hmm. still there, but I'm not in them anymore. But these Facebook groups where you post the link to your recipe and everybody shares yours and then you share theirs in turn. And yeah. I would spend all this time trying to do all those things. And it was taking away from the actual one thing that I was great at, which is the thing that has made my site stand out over time, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think my biggest lesson in all of this was to start to hire people, start to trust other people to help you. Mm-hmm. And because otherwise you you can't you can't sustain it. No, it's not possible. I actually have a team now. I have four time full four full-time employees now. Wow. Yeah. And that's just re- I moved from contractors to full-time employees starting just in September. So it's only been, I guess, like six months now. And we just hired the most recent one, the social media person. And it's been it's been amazing. Like I have people, they're they're wonderful. They're a great team, great synergy, and we're all for sure online from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern every day. So we're like talking, brainstorming, we're supporting each other, coming up with ideas, and everybody knows their jobs and what they're supposed to be doing. I'm still kind of all over the place. <laughs> 
they actually like I'm a super organized person and so I've hired really organized person people and now they tease me that I'm the cat who's being herded like I <laughs> they're all they've got it down yeah I I can totally understand that very well I think the hardest part though with having a team is managing them so in a way that sometimes I feel like that is a harder challenge because you're trying to coordinate everything. So yeah. what do you do to manage your team? So we use Basecamp, which is a project management software. Uh, it's not free. Um, I think it, I think it, it's like $1,000 a year or something. So it's like really not free. Mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of our workspace. And I really feel like that's our office. We, we do all of our chatting. It's kind of like Slack kind of like Asana, like it's sort of all those things mixed together. Um, so we work on there and it's all sectioned off into teams and projects and we try to keep things in their right folders and places so that we can find them properly. And then I do one of those four team members is a business manager and she, she keeps tabs on everything. And a lot of those like, oh, you know, the evolution of becoming a, a manager or a boss, right? Like that I, she'll say, okay, you need to do... 30-day employee reviews uh, next week. And I'll say, I'm free Monday and Tuesday. Can you schedule it? Whereas I used to like pull out my calendar and start like trying to do it myself, being able to just be like, can you, can you, can you? <laughs> right, right. And she keeps everything kind of going. She makes sure that we're on track with most of our projects. People are handing things in. She reminds me about payday and, and like that kind of thing. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I couldn't do it. There's no way that I could do it without having a person whose job is just to keep everything under control. She also, I mean, that doesn't take up all of her time. So she does a lot of the, I'm trying to think of an example that would make sense to, to people who don't have a blog, you know, like where, if you want to change how your recipes are formatted in your site, we, a lot of us switched to tasty recipes, the plugin way back when you did go and like manually copy all the recipes over oh, right, right. New, new place. Like she does that kind of stuff in free time. So there's like a long, long list of basic formatting, rewriting kind of stuff. Also, <laughs> there's always something that needs to be fixed on a blog. And I don't think people realize that there's a lot of maintenance. Oh, yeah. Um, there's also just a lot of upkeep because things are changing. Yeah, and all the time. you need to just constantly make it current. So yeah. huh, it's never ending. <laughs> Gosh, if we could hire everybody, then that would be great. I know. I know. <laughs> so, one of your tricks to, I guess, managing everything and being able to do so much is repurposing content. So tell me a little bit about your genius in that area. Oh, yeah. I, I, I feel like whenever we have a great recipe, it should not just be a blog post. So they, of course, I mean, it's sort of standard, but we have them going out in newsletters, of course. So there's that kind of thing. We make videos that are on YouTube and used on social media. Um, and on the Cookful, my second site, that site is uh, contributor-based. So we have cookbook authors and chefs come on, and each one takes on a topic. Like right now, we have Irvin Lynn from Eat the Love doing mm -hmm. quick breads. So he just spends, you know, it's like, I don't know, 10 recipes, 10 quick bread recipes that he's sharing over the course of time. And then we used to, we don't do it as much anymore, but we package all those recipes into an ebook that we then use as like a lead magnet. I have some of them for sale on Amazon, the bigger ones that I like more. Mm -hmm. um, so those are getting packaged into ebooks. And then 
um, I have the podcast. So Time Management Insider is meal planning and time management for inside the home. And that one, oh. I have, yeah, <laughs> I have, you know what? I got the domain name. Time Management Insider was available. And I'm like, well, that has to be a thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how that happened. And um, so on each episode, I interview somebody. And then I do a five-day meal plan. And that's, of course, pulling recipes from my own sites that I'm then packaging into these meal plans. We're now thinking about making a book of the meal plans because we've got 78 of them now. Oh, wow. Um, and they come with grocery lists and that kind of thing. So there's that. And then my second podcast uh, is Recipe of the Day. That's a daily three to five minute podcast where I talk about a recipe that will fit your life where you are right now. So for instance, on Mondays, it might be more of like a big soup. So you have leftovers to take in thermoses or like a sheet pan dinner. On Friday, it might be something fun like fish and chips or tacos. And on the weekend, maybe an appetizer. If there's a holiday coming up or like Super Bowl, leading up to Super Bowl, it was a lot of appetizers and dips, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's trying to meet people where they probably are in their week, month, year. So that is, of course, all pulling recipes from my site. And then we have a Facebook group where we share the recipe of the day. And we have a text service. You can subscribe by text. Huh. I get a text every day, recipe of the day text, a newsletter for that as well. And those, this is crazy. Those, <laughs> those podcast episodes are embedded in the recipe card on the blog. So I make the podcast episode. It's going out in your Apple podcast, Google podcast, whatever. But if you happen to land on one of the recipes that has an episode, it's right there. It says like, listen to me, talk about how to make this recipe in three minutes. It'll help you. There's lots of tips and tricks. So, huh. yeah. so do you literally put it in the recipe card itself? Like, yeah. A yeah it, you know what? I don't, it was just a miracle. You know, those, okay. All, those things that just like come together. So mm -hmm. I have a short code for the podcast episode. And I was right. like, what happens if I go in the head note and just plug that short code in there? And wow, there's a player. There's the, the podcast player right there for that episode. So it just worked. Oh yeah. my gosh. Okay. I'm, oh wait, well, let's back up. I'm going to get a little geeky. What recipe card plugin are you using? I'm using Tasty Recipes. Okay. And the podcast is Simplecast. I think, I think to be clearest, I have a short code plugin. So I think I'm actually taking the, the link that the podcast player thing is and creating the short code and then that's oh. what I'm putting in there. Yeah. I'm gonna have to try that because I <laughs> like literally today the new podcast episode uh came out. There's a recipe that I kind of linked to that, but I didn't I mean I, and of course I linked I linked both to each other, but I didn't link it in the recipe card. So I need to try that. It's so yeah. smart. Yeah it's simple cast is my podcast host. So I don't know if they're all gonna work that way, but I suspect hmm. that they would especially if you can create a short code like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I know exactly where my short codes are, so we'll see. <laughs> oh my gosh, it sounds like podcasting has become like a joy for you. So, am I right? Is this like oh, your new thing? <laughs> oh, you know, I kick myself all the time that I didn't start sooner. I have been obsessed with talk radio. My grandmother used to have on this this Winnipeg guy called Peter Warren all the time when I was growing up. It's like a constant sound in my head. And then when I would be driving to college, um, it was like a 40-minute drive, I would just tune. I, I, they didn't align with my politics. They didn't align with my interests. But I, I would tune to the talk radio stations because I wanted to be thinking and challenging. And music would make the ride seem longer. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I had that conversation going, it would seem shorter. And then when I first discovered podcasts, it was probably 
right around when I started my blog. And I remember going to one of my first blogging conferences and finding some other local bloggers and me being like, hey guys, let's start a podcast together. And we met up. There were there were four of us. We met up a few times. But what I was doing, and I think this is actually, this is something that I think people fall into this trap all the time. I didn't know how to do it myself. And so I was hoping that by having a group, mm. we would, I would get help or they would do it or something. And instead nobody did it. And, you know, fast forward to a year and a half ago when I launched my first podcast, it wasn't that hard. Like if I had just been like, I want a podcast, I'm going to start a podcast. I would have had a food podcast back in, you know, 2013. Um, Yeah, I know. But no, I love it. The talking format. I mean, like I said, I used to teach at the university. So talking is very easy. Presenting is very simple for me and conveying that like how to make something and explaining it just in words is something that just comes naturally to me. And I, I, I end up energized, like all at the end, I often record those recipe of the day episodes at the end of the day. I kind of batch, I'll do like three or four of them and I'll be like, Oh God, I don't want to do this today. It's good. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm, well, I need, I need to do some because I need to have them done by the end. I'm like smiling and I'm happy. Cause I mean, part of it is that you have to, like force the smile while you're talking, right? Right. Because you you can convey happiness with the sound of your voice. Yeah. Yeah. And it has yeah. to be there, right? So part of it is that, you know, that you fake it till you make it or whatever. I'm <laughs> pretending to be energized and happy. And then by the end of it, I'm energized and happy and then moving into my evening, you know? You manifest it. Yeah. But, you know, I, I agree with you. I fell in love with the podcast format, I think, when I first got my first iPhone, which I guess was 2006, 2008 whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And the Splendid Table, which you remember, like mentioned oh, earlier, yes. was one yes. of them. And mm-hmm. Mark Bittman had one. And this is back when podcasts had video. Do you remember that? I don't think I ever watched the video. You know, For me, what it, when I moved from Canada to Orlando, I used to have NPR, which is, uh, uh, sorry, uh-huh. CBC, CBC, which is like okay. the of NPR, on all the time at home. And then I came here and it just happened that the local Orlando station didn't have a 24-hour talk station. It was only the drive shows. Mm. And so I ended up like finding the podcast so that I had something to listen to in the car when I was driving my kids around to things and just all of that. Like I needed that talk radio fix that I missed from home, you know, that since then Orlando now does have a 24 hour NPR station. So that's been, that's changed. But yeah, <laughs> it was, it was all, it was to listen to in the car. And it wasn't until quite a while later that I was like, wait a minute, I can get headphones, <laughs> and listen to this everywhere. Right. Right. Um, what do you, what did you, what would you say to someone who is thinking of starting a podcast and isn't sure if they should or not. It's so interesting. I'm actually, I feel like I need to become a podcast coach. I have <laughs> two friends. One is a food blogger and one is a is training to be a death doula. So that's somebody who helps oh, people go transition. through and find out that they're, they're dying and helps them with that. Mm-hmm. So she's in training for that. So these two separate, very different people have been like, Christine, I want to start a podcast. What do I do? And I, I sort of give that same advice that I was saying, like, don't do this if you expect tons of people to be listening right off the bat. Like that's not, that's not going to happen. I talk a lot about um, format choices. You can always change. Like if you're doing an interview show and you decide that that's the part you don't like the most and you want to transition, there's no rules. It's your own thing. Mm -hmm. But like thinking that through ahead of time a little bit, like, okay, an interview show, I need to come up with 
interview guests every week and book them and and record them and it's more challenging to record so and you know how frequent and all of the same things that you know harken back to our early blogging days i'm sure i don't know that we our paths crossed you and yeah, i it i i think i first encountered you in clubhouse maybe or yeah. oh you know what no here's the weird thing i because i was trying to find your old email in my in my inbox <laughs> and your name came up oh gosh like in google meet like uh, remember that yeah <laughs> so i think maybe that was the first time that our paths yeah. crossed but you would think that no i was just thinking because you i was just listening to your episode with tony dash oh yeah and i know that i heard tony speak at a blogger food conference way back when so that's probably where you guys met right like i'm right. like oh yeah we were in the same audience <laughs> oh my gosh but yeah like back then like one of the big things was be consistent right like i just remember hearing all these bloggers say you need to be publishing a new recipe every week. Or I can remember, I think it was Chocolate Mousy, somebody like that saying that her traffic skyrocketed when she started publishing a new recipe every day. Like there's something oh about that. Like, can you, can you do it? I also, I think for podcasting, much like actually this is how I started the second website too, doing a whole bunch of content ahead of time. So I think the standard advice for podcasts is that when you launch, you should have at least three episodes Mm -hmm. at launch at the same time so that people kind of can get a sense for you and know if they want to subscribe. I think it also does something if they subscribe, it counts as three downloads. So that like helps in some kind oh, of interesting. way. I'm, I'm not entirely sure about that. But I, you know, when I launched, especially the second one, the daily one, I think I had like 20 episodes ready to go so that you have that time to be consistent. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, that's something I definitely learned. <laughs> it's it's so much harder working week to week, especially if you if you are doing a weekly. Um, so I took a little break over the holidays, and now my approach is so different. I'm definitely batching. I don't know what it is about podcasting that makes it easier for me to batch than to batch for my own blog. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but maybe it is the joy. Maybe it is the connection with people. Um, who knows? <laughs> Yeah, I, th I think it's definitely something like that. Also, do you edit your episodes yourself or do you have somebody editing them? I have someone else who edits them. I just, I can't. <laughs> I don't, I have somebody else who edits my longer one, the time management, the TMI. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine listening to myself talk. Like I have to re, I have to re-listen in the end. Like I, so right. I'm all, I like an extra time and slowly, but the recipe of the day one, the daily one, I'm doing all the editing myself and it's so fun. Like I love it, but that's where the batching, like I yeah. sit down with a calendar, I come up with, okay, what are the 30 recipes that I'm talking about this month? And then that's batched the plan, right? And then I record sort of three to four at a time. And then I edit kind of 12 to 15 at a time. And it makes it so much faster. Oh, so much work. Okay. <laughs> what are your tips for bloggers or anybody, I should say, really, on how to stay relevant? How do you stay relevant in this kind of space that feels sometimes a little saturated? Yeah, I, th I I suspect that I'm different from some bloggers because I haven't had that big social media presence. I don't have like things that go viral on anything. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just not most of my traffic comes from Google. And so I, I don't worry about being relevant as much as I worry about keeping the sorts of things that I'm posting on my site consistent. 
And I'm always looking, I'm looking at my statistics, Google Analytics, to see which recipes are doing well, which ones are like coming up from below, like all of a sudden something's in the top 10. Mm -hmm. And then I think, okay, the people who like my sites, the people that Google is directing over here, this is what they're searching for. This is what they're finding. This is what they're clicking on from my site. I want to give them more of that, you know? So, so it, it's in that space. I will say, of course, now, like I said, we have the social media person. Um, Beth is her name. She's wonderful. And I also have a recipe developer and photographer mm-hmm. on the team, Don Viola. People probably know her because she used to be a blogger and she's been on the speaking circuit here and there. Um, but they, with other people, I think it's easier to kind of split and have half of our recipes be those standards that are really reflecting what the site has been good at all the time. And then the other half, like, oh my gosh, I just saw. So yeah, it was Dawn's idea. Totally. Um, you know, the TikTok pasta that came out with the feta and the yes. tomatoes that everybody was making. Yes. Boil the pasta and then you do the feta and the tomatoes in the oven. Mm-hmm. We have a no boil pasta bake on the site where it's pasta in a sauce raw, like uncooked pasta in a sauce with some other ingredients. And it was Donna was like, wait a minute, I bet we could do a no boil TikTok pasta. Yeah. You know, and so there's that like new and trendy stuff coming, I think from brainstorming and interacting with others um, mostly. Yeah, that's what it is for us. I'm unfortunately not like, I'm just not a social media person. So I think that's usually the advice people get, like watch what's trending and go see what's happening up there. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't want to go on TikTok. I know. I avoid TikTok. I don't even have it on my phone. <laughs> it's just, no. I don't have, again, this is your point. Like, pick what you're good at or what you like and stick with it. I just, I've just succumbed to my, I've just, I'm okay with not being on TikTok. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am, I will say, I think we're about to start because I just read somewhere that TikTok has become the number one search engine in the world. It's it's surpassed Google. So what? Seem, I know. I don't even understand. And please don't. I mean, I'm saying this publicly, so I hope I'm not wrong. But I definitely read it. And it that means that there are people who, when they want to know how to make gravy, for instance, oh, instead God. of going to Google and saying how to make gravy, they're going into TikTok. No, that just seems like the worst idea. <laughs> I know. You're going to get like... I mean, maybe you'll find my video for how to make gravy, but you might also get all kinds of weird, like. You know what, though? If that does happen, I kind of believe it. I think my my kids send me reels all the time mm-hmm. with recipes and I'm like, yeah, it's nothing new. But then sometimes it's, it is something different and it's like, gosh, this is where they're getting, they're sourcing their material from. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a little bit, it, it's scary, like in terms of, yes, looking at our children and their short attention spans and how they're doing that. It's also in terms of like um, reliable information. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like, you know, when Google, people have a lot of issues with Google as it is that you don't know where this information is from, but you know, you're, you're in there, you can read it, you, you assess for yourself. Does it seem correct? You have time, you can go back and look and you read the comments, like all of that is happening, right? You have some trusted sources you turn to. Right. I don't know, like if I'm looking at a one minute video. <laughs> right. Is this trustworthy? And you know, what's so weird. Maybe like now we're like, the old people. <laughs> I'm not going to say that's the worst way to put it. But when I think about when we first started blogging, mm-hmm. there was a lot of pushback from newspapers, magazines, print yes. publications, you know, even print publications that had an online presence. Like, who are these bloggers? And they're taking away from 
our business and the work that we do and how can we trust them and et cetera, et cetera. And now I know, we're right. looking at TikTok and we're like, what the heck what is this? So, you are so right. It's, I remember that so vividly. I remember hearing about a conference where there was a blogger on the stage and the cookbook authors in the audience and there's a big fight. And um, I won't I won't name names because I can't exactly remember who it was. But but um, yeah, that industry pushback about us who had no formal training. We're just, you know, I yeah, you're probably right. I think that it is the same. And I I still also I feel like I get a little like annoyed by that whole conversation so much because they are diminishing the training that we do have, which mm -hmm. Is like, I don't, I've never wanted to go to culinary school. I don't necessarily, I mean, I would love to learn more, but I feel like home techniques are not the same as professional kitchen techniques. Correct. And, you know, I think about things like, I don't do mise en place for anything. That is the least efficient way to make dinner for my family. You know, like if I'm going to chop everything first and then stand there stirring the things, like I can totally be chopping while things are cooking, measuring this while that's cooking, you know? So there's, there's all of that kind of thing that just isn't practical. Very, it makes perfect sense for a restaurant, like absolute perfect sense, but doesn't make sense for home cooks. So I think, yeah, they were devaluing that that experience. And probably I am devaluing the TikToker experience. Right, right. <laughs> but you know what? It's all relative. And hey, I just remind people, like, look, Thomas Keller did not go to culinary school. Oh, I just ate at Bouchon in Vegas this past weekend. Oh, what did you eat? After we were there for brunch. And I had, I mean, the pastries are amazing. So we had croissant. And the cheese Danish is probably, one, I don't even really have a sweet tooth. It is one of the most delicious pastries I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and then I had the seared foie gras on like a raspberry compote thing with a beautifully paired glass of wine. And then, oh, it was like a fancy crook madame sandwich with truffle fries. Oh, their fries are good. Yeah, it was, it was there were a lot of fries in that plate, actually. I was surprised. Mm. But it was, <laughs> and I was so full by then. You know, I'd had a croissant half of a cheese danish my appetizer a glass of wine and then this this plate of other things came so i probably didn't order it's so hard though you're looking at that menu and it's like how do i try everything because... yeah no you can't you just have to keep coming back <laughs> yeah 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 it, it was a wonderful experience well as much as i want to talk about blogging all day i do really quickly want to touch upon your ukrainian baba i know things are so so uh, heart-wrenching right now in Ukraine, but I wanted to know a little bit more about her. And you wrote um, that she made chicken noodle soup so often that our house smelled like chicken soup, even when there wasn't any in sight. And that yeah. just touched me so much. So oh, could I you just talk about her for a little bit? Yeah, I just got chills. So actually, my Baba was born in Canada. Her parents were born in the Ukraine. My grandfather, whom she married, was born in Ukraine and moved to Canada when he was 18. And they met, I love this story. They met, she had a beautiful voice and she, and she the, the city I'm from, Winnipeg, has quite a large Ukrainian population. She was singing in a Ukrainian operetta. Uh -huh. And he was in the audience and he heard her sing and he went backstage with flowers and said, I'm going to marry you one day. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> so, so sweet. It's really, I'm not sure if it would fly today. Like I think, <laughs> wait a minute. Hey, I'll, I'll take that over Tinder any day. Yeah, 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 for sure. But um, <laughs> but yeah, she was an amazing cook. And I feel like that 
the thing I'm talking about, about the wanting to know why and how she was always explaining, like just, she, okay, now you add the, you're sauteing onions and butter, you add the flour now and stir it up. And now you're not going to have flour clumps because it's all distributed evenly in here. Like she would always be, and then she'd watch, oh my God, she loved, she watched Emeril all the time. <laughs> I don't know that she loved him, but she was always like, oh, that's why they do it. And oh, why is he doing it that way? And like, it was this constant conversation, you know? Um, the food was unbelievable. Ukrainian food, pierogi, cabbage rolls, the the borscht, the chicken, the chicken noodle soup. Oh my goodness. It was, I used to take the bus from school. She lived actually closer to my school than I did. So once a week, I would take the bus to her house instead of going home and spend the night. Oh, and there would nice. almost, yeah, and there would almost always be chicken noodle soup, homemade noodles, like homemade egg noodles, like the whole thing, you know? Um, and yeah, it was really special. And then of course, my parents, I mean, my mom grew up in that Ukrainian household and ended up when I was 12, her and my dad opened a Ukrainian restaurant in Delhi in Manitoba. And so they were making progies in the back and selling them in like one dozen bags, or you could eat, have a meal there, cabbage rolls, borscht, all of that. And that is sort of the start of their restaurant business was that Ukrainian uh, progy house. Oh my gosh. Do you have a progy recipe on your blog? I don't. I, I keep thinking actually that I should do a series. It feels like it's one of those things that I've been making my whole life. I make them usually around Christmas. I'll make a big batch and then freeze what we don't need for our holiday dinners. Mm -hmm. The muscle memory involved, I feel like it's like I start making them and I'm instantly like connected to, you know, my grandmother has of course passed away by now, but I'm connected to my baba. I'm connected to my mom far away in Canada. I haven't seen my parents in mm, exactly two years and two days. They left right when COVID was hitting. Oh, wow. um, they were here visiting and they hit, got in the car and, and left. Um, and yeah, that connection that happens when I'm making them. Uh, and I feel like I don't, it's maybe the thing that I don't know how to explain because I've mm. just been doing it. And because I worked in that progy restaurant, I was pinching progies, boiling progies. I was doing all that stuff for more than any normal person would do in their, in their Ukrainian household, right? Because it was a business. So I've made so many progies and cabbage rolls in my life that I don't know if I know how to explain it. It's like, well, the dough has to feel like this and yeah. you touch it until it feels like this. It would probably be really fun to have maybe like Don, who does the recipe development for my sites now, or someone like that come over and like watch me do it and, and, and figure it out because it's not something that I think I can explain. I totally get that. That yeah. feeling of how do I even explain it? It's kind of like when you're cooking with anybody who cooks by feel and it's mm -hmm. just hard for them to, to verbalize yeah. it. So yeah, I like the idea of Don helping you with that. <laughs> I think it'd be really fun. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll set that up. <laughs> uh, well, Christine, that I don't know, time just flew a little too fast for me. So I have a few closing questions before I let you go. Yeah. What's something that you cook when you're too tired to cook and you just need an emergency go-to dinner? Oh, that's a great question. My favorite, so this is my favorite, like driving home and need to stop and get something. I make what I call our three ingredient shrimp tacos. So I buy either cooked shrimp or I can cook them when I get home. A bag of like a Tex-Mex chopped salad. There's a few brands of them. Mm -hmm. And then the taco shells. And you mix up the salad, taco shells, cooked shrimp, dinner. Like it's the, it, grab three things from the grocery store. I love that. Um, I think I do a lot of just like burrito bowl stuff now. It's just like rice, chicken, and then those toppings. Like, however, if I have lots of energy, 
then I'm chopping up all kinds of avocado, tomato, peppers, all the things. And if I don't, it's very, very bare bones or that <laughs> chopped salad again, right? <laughs> so yeah, those are my go-tos. Yeah, chopped salad's great. I always have a bag in my fridge. Mm -hmm. What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? It is probably, I, I just said I couldn't explain to anybody, but the pierogi, the pierogi recipe and maybe the pasca. Pasca is a um, Ukrainian yeast bread with golden raisins and saffron in it. Oh, that sounds and you, so good. Yeah. And you, it's braided and it would be one of the things that you would take to church at Easter to have blessed as part of your basket. So that basket. Oh. Yes, yes. With like the colorful Easter eggs and, you know, the Ukrainian, Ukrainian decorated Easter eggs and the beautiful braided bread. That bread, I, I tend to not have family here usually for Easter. And so we don't end up doing a big dinner, but I always, always make a batch of that bread. And it's amazing the next day with toasted with peanut butter. That's my dad who, who loves that the most. Oh, that sounds so good. I bet it's beautiful too. Yeah, it really is. Are you messy or neat in the kitchen? I'm pretty, I'm pretty neat. I think I used to be much messier, but you know, cooking for a food blog, especially like I did a lot of batch cooking for it over the years. We're talking about batching. Like I would do five recipes in a day. And if you're not being careful, like if I don't have a big sink of soapy water where the things that can't go in the dishwasher go, if I don't have the dishwasher filling and running continuously, it just, it's so daunting at the end of the day, right? To have all of that. So I think probably because of that, I've become pretty tidy. Mm -hmm. And I also, you know, I have this one, my main workspace, it's to the right of the sink. I keep it clear. It's got the cutting board and knife that I'm using, whatever I need, like right then and otherwise nothing. And I'm constantly clearing that off. I just always have to have that space clear. So if you did go to culinary school, you'd be in good shape. Well, <laughs> maybe. I'm sure I have tons of bad habits. <laughs> What's a good kitchen tip? Hmm. A good kitchen tip. I have so, so many and none are coming to my mind right now. Um, I like actually when you're zesting an orange or a lemon, we tend to zest it with the zester curved upward uh, this way. I, mm -hmm. I, we're, we're in audio. And then, <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you do it upside down, just like do it upside down, how you usually do it, the zester will actually catch the zest. So it's not falling onto the counter. It's just catching it right there. I know what you're saying. Yes. And you can see the, the citrus fruit as you're going, because normally you're constantly having to move the zester out of the way to see which parts you have and haven't zested yet. If you do it upside down, you, yeah. you can see it the whole time. Funny that you should mention that because I was cooking with a chef a couple of years ago and she corrected me because I was doing it the way you were saying and she instructed me and I'm just like, but I like this way better because then I can see and it doesn't fall onto the counter. But yeah, yeah. Well, I think it works either way. Oh yeah, it wor it works either way. It's just it's all those little little things that make things more efficient, you know? Yeah. And um every week I try to share five little things, something that made me smile. Is there anything that made you smile this week? Getting back home. So we were in Vegas for a vacation. It was the first like real big vacation that I've done in a long, long time. And when we got to the door of the house, I guess we clicked the lock on the car and it made a beeping noise. Our cats were waiting. So my, my front door is glass. They were just both there yelling and so excited to see us and we get in and their heads were bumping against us. And it was, it was really, really nice to be welcomed. Always Aww. nice to be home. Nice to be welcomed home by those cute little furries. That's so sweet. They probably were traumatized. They're like, where did they go? They don't ever leave us anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. They're used to us all being here. It's so weird. 
Aw. Well, Christine, thank you so much for spending time with me. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, I'm Cook the Story just about everywhere. Instagram is my favorite place these days. Online, social media, I'm trying. I'm trying. (laughs) (laughs) But also the the podcast, Recipe of the Day, every single day, 5 a.m. Eastern. There's a great recipe there. It's wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. I hope you enjoyed this chat about the nitty gritty of food blogging. Christine definitely inspires me with how much she is able to tackle and how she has grown since she first started her blog. Thank you again to Christine for joining us today. Definitely check out her blogs and her podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to review it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.